following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Thirty years of the best sports talk in Middle Tennessee, featuring Tennessee Radio Hall of Famer George Plaster, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame coach Watson Brown, and Young Guns Billy Derrick and Michael Sendrick. And now, here's your host, George Plaster. And everybody, welcome in on a beautiful Wednesday in Nashville, Tennessee. Good weather, uh, good outlook for the next few days, and we have got a rip-roaring show today that you're going to want to hear and see. For Tennessee fans who cannot get enough of the win over Alabama, check us out today at 12 minutes after 5 o'clock. We're going to show you a video that may give you goosebumps. Uh, it's about a four-minute video of what went on Saturday. I think you'll really enjoy it, so stay tuned for that. Let me say hello. Let's call roll, and let's start with Coach Watson Brown. Watson, how are you? George, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm you look nice today. You're all Christmassy looking. This is my Lamar Alexander shirt. Oh, okay. Remember when he ran for governor and he kept wearing this thing? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I very much so remember that. Matter of fact, he was governor when I was at Vanderbilt as head coach. Yeah. He probably did better with this shirt than I'm doing. No, I think you're representing it well. I'll I'll, I'll give you a little credit today. You look very nice. Little, little, little spice. Billy, do you like the shirt? I do, George. It's do like it's like an early Christmas present, I feel like. Well, we'll we'll wear it again then right before Christmas. How about that? I like it. I like it. We start every show uh during football season with our daily Titans update with Terry McCormick. Terry, congratulations on the pinstripes. Good win yesterday over Cleveland. Yes, a very good win. Uh, the rain, I think, actually helped in the short term because it allowed them to pitch Nestor Cortez, who, for my money, has been their most consistent starter this year, even better than Garrett Cole. Uh, hadn't pitched as many innings as Cole, but certainly uh, given them a quality outing almost every time out. And then you get home runs from Stanton and Judge to kind of set the pace early. So all was well yesterday. Okay, get ready for this. Let me do it again. That's what you're going to hear when the Astros go to Yankee Stadium is all that trash can banging. Terry, you know it's all going to get dredged up over the weekend. It's going to be wild. Oh, it really is, and, and I can't wait for it. You know, I mean, we owe this team something, not just for that, but 
the Yankees have not had a lot of luck against the Astros the last six or seven years when they've met in the postseason. I'd like to see them really break through this time. On the Titans, tell me the good news about Amani Hooker. Monty Hooker has been cleared from the concussion protocol, so he is going to be practicing this week and should be in the lineup on Sunday when they have their rematch with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the other good news is it looks like Bud Dupree may be back out there as well. He practiced fully today uh, with that injury that he's had and been dealing with, so if they could get both of those guys back, it certainly would shore up uh, the defense. Uh, Nate Davis was limited today, but uh, that's good news after he had missed last the game before the bye against Washington with a knee injury. And also Torrey Carter, fullback, was limited with a neck injury. So the only guys missing were two inside linebackers, Zach Cunningham, who's been out with an elbow injury, and Joe Jones, who's still not back from a knee injury. Terry, there's no doubt they could use Cunningham back. What are you hearing long term on that? Well, they haven't put him on IR, so that's probably good news in the fact that maybe he'll be back, uh, you know, sometime within a four-week frame. They've actually gotten pretty good mileage out of Dylan Cole, and I just posted a story on Titan Insider about him. Uh, Dylan Cole has been a guy that's bounced around a little bit. He's been on the practice squad uh, when he first got here last year, coming in the middle of the season, and uh Three weeks ago in the first game against the Colts, that was his first NFL start, and he's been in the league for five years. But uh, he's done pretty well. Mike Brabel had some good things to say about him, and uh, he's kind of a feel-good story about how this team kind of is able to find those guys like that, and they work their way up through the ranks and uh, find a role when their opportunity comes. Terry, Indy is clearly better. Uh, they, they've made some significant improvement recently, and I guess a lot of it starts in the protection of Matt Ryan, which absolutely had to happen. Yeah, one of the things that they've been doing is maybe trying to get the football out of his hands a little bit quicker and not take as many of those seven-step drops and hold the football and try to get it to a second or third read. I think it's coming out pretty quick. He threw 58 passes last Sunday against the Jaguars and wasn't sacked once. Plus, they've gone with a lot of no huddle, George, and that no huddle sometimes can not only wear a defensive line down because you can't get fresh players in, but also it can prevent you from being able to substitute. So if they've got a nickel package on the field on defense and you can you know, get into your uh, running package, your base offense, you may have some advantage there or vice versa. So uh, the off it's a way for the offense to really dictate to the defense what's going to happen and limit the defense's ability to adjust to that. So that'll be something the Titans will have really have to watch this week. Terry, appreciate it as always. We'll, uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, same time, same place. All right, sounds good, George. We start each show during football season with Terry's daily Titans update. Take it away. Yes, we do, George. That was the daily Titans update brought to you by the Justin Tucker team. With Platinum Realty Partners, they are proven to be trusted with your most personal asset. They are Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. Give them a call at 615-906-8458. But don't forget about Sumner Funeral and Cremation as well. They are sharing their family with yours in your time of need. Now with two convenient locations in Gallatin and Hendersonville and online at Sumner Funeral. 
MLB.com. Okay, we begin today's update with a Major League Baseball scoreboard update here. Right now, the Phillies have jumped all over the Padres 2 to nothing. Maybe not all over, but they do have an early lead 2 nothing over San Diego in the top of the second. And, George, we've also got uh, game one of the ALCS tonight. It's the Yankees and the Astros, as you alluded to with Terry. So, playoff baseball in full swing. Yeah, Watson, uh, Juan Soto lost a ball in the uh, sun a minute ago, which has helped the Phillies to this lead. They are becoming, the Phillies are, the Braves of a year ago, a team that may be underachieved in the regular season, but has caught fire. They look pretty darn good. Yeah, they. I'm. I'm surprised. I. I didn't think. I still wonder about their deep pitching, their late bullpen pitching to me, and uh, and just is their pitching all around good enough? And they've got a couple, but are they deep enough to go into these long series? And we're going to find that out. But man, what a great start! And wasn't that a great pitching performance by both pitchers? Last night, and that ball hitting the upper deck, wow. Schwarber's mm. ball, that thing's still I don't know if I've – Reggie Jackson, we've seen some of Reggie's bombs. That one might be as far as I've ever seen one hit. I've never been in Petco Park in San Diego, but looking at it from TV, to get that thing into the upper deck is a monster. Yeah. That is an absolute monster shot. By the way, 2 nothing is now 3 nothing Phillies. They've just scored again. If you're watching our show live, Phillies are looking good. No doubt. No doubt. I think it was 480 feet last night. Yeah, for, that uh, thing's for a bomb. In Whew. fact, I'm looking at a TV shot right now of where he hit it. That is a monster. It looked like it was hit out of the stadium. Oh, it's a, it's a monster shot. bomb. George, uh, so that's the update there. Of, of course, you got the Yankees-Astros later tonight as uh, as well. Let's go to college football. Alabama is investigating a claim that wide receiver Jermaine Burton struck a female Tennessee fan after the upset loss. A video surfaced on social media that appeared him to be striking a female fan as, of course, Tennessee fans are coming onto the field. Bama players are leaving the field. And uh, Nick Saban said, we are aware of the situation with Burton. Uh, we are currently working to gather more information. Watson, I would assume that the toughest part in that deal is having to go in and have a little chat with um, St. Nick. <laughs> yeah, and George, it's it's dangerous. I love the stands empty in and the field covered, but man, that's what you worry about. Up a lot of yeah. things, serious things, might happen, and and. Um, I hope they nip this one. You've, if you've seen the tape, he did swing at the girl. It's kind of a sideways, but you can see it. And it's not in a big crowded area or anything. I'm sure she was saying things to him. And uh, But I just, that scares me to death. Yeah. I, I just, I'm telling you, one of these days, there will be something really serious come from one of these. And then they're going to put, Cops all around everywhere, just where they can't get out there. It's one thing to say, don't go, and then find them later. It's another to pure stop them. Yeah. It'd take a lot of, it would take a lot of security to stop them. Oh, my God. Yep. You think about what it would have taken Saturday oh. to stop that group. Holy the SWAT, SWAT team. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Keep so, going, Billy. We keep rolling. Uh, John Calipari, Kentucky basketball coach, has said that the Kentucky-Indiana quote-unquote rivalry is going to renew starting in 2025. So I, I know there's a lot of fans on both sides that are happy to see that one coming back. He and Tom Crean got in a pissing contest, uh, for lack of a better word, over <laughs> where they would play, who they would play, whatever. It was stupid. Kentucky and Indiana ought to be playing in basketball, and I, for one, am glad about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I love the old rivalries. Yeah. Indiana needs to get back, too. Can They, they and, need that. I don't know why, George, Indiana can't get back. I just don't know why. But college basketball needs Indiana to become a force again. Well, don't you think it's a little bit like when Bear Bryant – uh, retired at Alabama and, of course, passed away shortly thereafter. There's no Bobby Knight. By the way, he wore something like this. If you remember, he wore a plaid sport coat when they won the national title in 76. We may have to look that up. It's eerily similar to this <laughs> shirt. I don't know why I thought of that, but... <laughs> Take take a I look would, later. See if I, I want to I want to see that and how oh. much he sweat through that. I can't imagine wearing that. No, it, it, just take a look at it later. Maybe we'll show it. But anyway, they need to be playing. December college basketball needs stuff like Kentucky and Indiana. Period. Yeah. Yep. So twenty twenty five. That's that's when they'll get get uh, going again. Mississippi State football player, sad news here. Uh, Sam Westmoreland has uh, has passed away. Uh, George, I, I didn't I didn't get the details there. They're not they're not giving any. Okay, so that obviously for now, tough tough news. Yeah, hate it, hate mm. seeing that. And finally, yeah, final piece here. Tua Tungavailoa has come out and uh, <laughs> somewhat reminisced on not being able to uh, even remember uh, being carted off. Uh, he said on Wednesday that he can't remember being carted off after falling unconscious with a concussion that sidelined him for two games. So, I mean, you you got more details coming out here that, that really prove what happened. Watson, first of all, that's scary to hear that. I love watching him play. He's very talented. But I'll be honest, I would not be sad if he never played another down. I worry about this young man's future health. I really do. Um, I'm going to cringe when he plays again because those two falls, when he got up wobbly, that's scary looking. And then when he just froze and his hand just froze, George, real scary. Um, I really wish they'd just hold him for the year and run a whole bunch of tests and let him have time to get better. I, I don't, is he coming back this week? Oh, that it sounds like that? Sunday night football against uh, the uh, Steelers. I'm, I'm going to cringe watching that. I'm going to cringe yeah. every time he goes back to throw. It's going to scare me to death. So let me give people a little bit of what we're going to do today. After the break, you'll hear from Vanderbilt football coach Clark Lee. We'll talk a little bit about where they're headed right now because it's been a rough three weeks. They've given up 162 points, roughly eight touchdowns per game over the last three games. So that's not good. Five o'clock, we're going to rank the SEC one through 14. Where does Watson have Tennessee? That'll be interesting. 
We'll tell you how many of those teams we think are going to bowls as of right now. And then we'll give you a four-minute video of Tennessee's win over Alabama Saturday that for Vols fans is a must to see. Then at 5.20, Mark McGee will join us. The Predators had a just a loss that infuriates. Had a 3-1 lead, gagged it, committed nine penalties, totally inexcusable what went on last night at Bridgestone. We'll have some NFL notes. You name it, we've got it today. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Berner with Rock Castle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized, 
and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. to Missouri this Saturday. I I wouldn't call it anything like must win because when you're in a rebuild the way they are, uh, seldom do you get into must win. However, here is what has to happen. They got to go there and be competitive. They have not been the least bit competitive in the last three games. They have given up just an absolute boatload of points. And Missouri's not very good either. So the 13th and 14th best teams in the SEC will square off. And with that as a backdrop, Billy Derrick talked to Coach Clark Lee. Up on Saturday, uh, yet another SEC road test. Uh, Before we talk about Missouri, though, uh, you throw in the tape for Georgia. Of course, offensively struggled to to really build any momentum, but you talked about taking advantage of the opportunities that that were given to your team. Um, Has that been something kind of this week, kind of cashing in on those opportunities uh, heading into Missouri? Yeah, and it's something that you can certainly, it shows up in practice. Um, But uh, those are also game moments, you know, you need in in big games to have your best players step up. And, And we've seen that happen for us this year. Um, when you're playing against the number one team in the country, you can't miss, you know, and we had chances in the first half to, to keep the game close, to keep the game competitive, and, and um, we weren't able to finish those plays, and, and the game got away from us. Um, you know, there are also things there defensively that are within our control that we can, we can do better, and um, I think this program's still learning about, you know, its own power and, and, and you know, in performance the things that we can do to, um, to put pressure on the opponent. Um, and we need to continue to evolve in that, in that, uh, in that way uh, because we've got a tough challenge this weekend at Missouri. Coach, in the heat of battle, of course, in the middle of an SEC season, how do you keep things in perspective as a staff for the guys in the locker room um, to kind of keep them you know, headed in the right direction, of course, as you mentioned, with a, a great opportunity uh, on the road uh, against Missouri. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, this is, this is what the challenge of building a program is about. You know, we're right in the middle of it. And there is perspective to be gained because we have improved. And even though that hasn't reflected the scores, um, you know, we can see uh, measurable differences in the, in, the, in the manner in which we're playing. Um, and... Um, and, but yet, you know, we will go as far as we allow ourselves to go, and that starts with the mindset. And so what happens when you, you know, take on bad results and you don't play to your ability and, and uh, the game gets away from you is it starts to beat you up mentally. And we have to be a resilient group. We've been talking a lot about that this week. I know this team cares a lot about what we're doing and, and that cares a lot about each other, and I expect them to bounce back. But we don't take for granted the, the idea that um, – you know, we're, we're in the throes of this thing right now, and we need to uh, not just uh, respond, but actually interject in the moment to, to get some positive momentum back for us. 
that's important. And uh, if we can do that, there's a lot left to, for this team to accomplish. And so we're taking the mindset that we're, we're fighting to extend our season. And, you know, again, this is an opportunity this week to, to work on that um, against Missouri. Coach, you talked about positive momentum. That was, you guys were able to build that early in the season with a few wins, of course. Uh, but, you know, trying to refine that, of course, is tough, as you mentioned. How important is learning how to fight from adversity, you know, in, in the throes of battle for, for a young program like this, not just a young team, but a young overall program build? So how important is it to, to learn how to, how to fight through that adversity and, and build down the stretch of a season? Yeah, I think we want to we want to work to a point where we're carrying a dominant mindset to the field and um, and we're, we're, we're operating from a position of strength for four quarters um, and that means that you can't allow negative play or a string of negative plays to to disarm you and um, you know I, I I don't look at the Georgia game and say you know we were overwhelmed by negative plays we never stepped into the moment and made a play to shift the energy on the field um, you know, I, I did feel like in the in the third quarter our defense battled, and you saw some counter punching going on, and we we held them to six points there, two field goals, and um, th there's some there's some things to build on um, in, in that way, um, but um, we have to be a team that can that can dictate energy on the field. We have to be a team that knows its strength and steps into what makes it dangerous and. Um, you know, we didn't do that against Georgia, and, and when you don't do that against the best teams in the country, they're going to make you pay for it. And um, it doesn't, you know, for us, you know, for us to play at a, a higher level as a team, for us to be able to extend drives on offense, you're going to limit some exposure. You're going to take um, you're going to take points away from the opponent, and you know, when you do that, along with scoring points on on your own side, then you have a chance to make those games close and, and you have a chance to put some pressure on the other team. In our last few meetings, Coach, you've talked about, you know, we're learning what gaps we need to close with our program, offensively, defensively, with the staff in every aspect. Have you been able to kind of grasp uh, what, what specifically those, those gaps are that you guys need to close uh, in order to, you know, maybe down the stretch pick off, uh, you know, another win or two here? Yeah, we, we have to improve play um, in, in, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, again, our our offense is built around a physical run game, and when we're able, we're not able to get that going, you know, we we operate from a deficit, um, and so we're behind the chains and playing catch up. Um, you know, defensively, I think we've held up well against the run. I did not like the way we played the run in the fourth quarter, and and um, we've addressed that. But um, I felt like in the, in the middle of that game, we were able to control the run game between the tackles pretty well. Um, you know, but we haven't been able to win one-on-ones in the pass rush. Uh, so, you know, when when you have a, a defense that's that's learning and growing on the move, it's nice to have some plays just be erased, and um, you're going to make mistakes. And this is true anywhere I've ever been. You know, there's going to be someone out of position at times. There's going to be someone a little short on the drop at times. And when you have someone that can erase the down, that can problem solve for you on the run. You know, uh, you have a chance to learn from those mistakes without giving up touchdowns. We're just not afforded that opportunity. So, you know, um, improving play uh, in both uh, line, lines of scrimmage, and that'll be, you know, part of our obviously development plan moving forward. And then I think just the attention to detail um, defensively, and then narrowing the focus on offense. And 
it doesn't matter who you're playing against. The helmet doesn't matter. If you're behind the, the secondary, let's make the catch. If you know you have a chance to um, you know to, to convert on the third down, let's let's make the conversion. It's it's not uh, not challenging stuff. It's just playmakers making plays, and we can do that. We've shown that. Um, those are things that we need to do to close this gap because in the end, um, when we do it, you know, first half of Ole Miss, you see that we're competitive and we can not just um, play with the teams, but we can control the game. When, when we don't, obviously the game gets away from us quickly. And so the, our margins for error are very small and we've got to tap into those every time we play. Coach, the trip to Columbia, of course, another SEC road test for you guys. What can you tell us about Missouri and, and you know, they've, they've shown some really good things this season, uh, you know, but they've also shown some, some signs of weaknesses. So, uh, you know, for you guys heading into Columbia, what is it going to take for you guys to compete for four quarters and, and potentially pull off a, a big victory? This is a, a really good defense. I think I'd put the defense on par with the, the teams that we've been playing here recently. Um, they're long and athletic and physical and they play an aggressive style. Um, we're going to have to be disciplined and persistent in the run game. You know, we got to get that started. Um, if we can show uh, persistence there and patience there, I do think that there's opportunities for us to, to break some runs. Um, I think there's also, because of the aggressive nature of the defense, they're going to give us opportunities to win on the perimeter, and we need to win. Um, so we'll be excited for that. On offense, this is a really good system. Um, Coach Drinkowitz does a great job in his design. They're going to test you in terms of formations and plays, and they're going to position their players um, to, to stress you out. And we have to have clear lines of communication and um, detail and focus in execution. You know, a lot of the, you know, you can go back to the Georgia game and look at a first and 10 run that maybe creates a second and two. And um, there's an opportunity within that run for us, you know, maybe it's at one position to, to execute a responsibility um, with a little more um, assertiveness, and all of a sudden that goes from first and 10 to second and 11. Um, hesitancy creates space, space creates yards. And um, first and 10 to second and two versus first and 10 uh, to second and 10 or second and 11 is the difference between participating in the game and carrying a dominant mindset in the game. And so our defense needs to capitalize on those opportunities by playing as one of 11 and being aggressive and getting our, to our technique faster than the opponent. That's Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee. A trip up to Columbia, Missouri awaits this Saturday for Vanderbilt. Three o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Coach, once again, thanks for taking the time. Great to be with you. Watson, let's talk the uh, Missouri part of this for a second. They are right now the 13th best team in the SEC. They gagged their way out of Auburn. It was a game they should have won and I thought played pretty good at times, but didn't close the deal. There's some real pressure on their coaching staff this week. They lose to Vandy. Eli Drinkwitz will not be there next year. No, oh, and, and, you know, you get those games, and when you get to some of those games, you got to win them. Um, they've had an open date. I don't think they played last week, right? I think so they've had right, time yeah. to heal a little bit. Where uh, The Commodores are going in when they're catching them at a at – a, at a fresh time for Missouri. So I think Vanderbilt's going to have to play really well, but this is a winnable game. Missouri is not anything in the comparison of the last three they've played. Not, not in, not a comparison in my opinion. So I, 
you know, it's it's I've said it a thousand times, George. It's not playing Alabama. It's playing Alabama, then Ole Miss, then Georgia, <laughs> then Missouri. And so when you get to Missouri, you've got to keep a confident mindset, and you can't just let the the last three kill you. You got to think about the good schedule that they had early in the year and won those games and how they won them. And you've you've just got to keep the blinders on and keep going. That's cliche, but it's hard. It's really hard to do. And it would be a lot easier for Vanderbilt to play Missouri in the opener like they did Alabama instead of in game four after the three they've played. Yeah. Watson, I just saw something I want you to get I want you to comment on. Okay. Because it's never happened before in postseason play. If you're watching this live, the Phillies lead in San Diego four to two in the top of the third. Aaron Nola is the pitcher for the Phillies. His brother, Austin Nola, is the catcher for San Diego. For the first time in the history of postseason play, brothers squared off against each other, pitcher versus batter. Okay, not that you've done that, but you're one of the few in the world who has ever been involved in a brother versus brother Division I head coaching duel, you and Mac. What do you yeah. think those two were feeling as as Austin Nola got in the batter's box to face his brother? Extra anxiety before it happens. Once it's on, you don't even think about it. That's the way I would say it. So I would bet you as soon as he stepped in that box, he stepped in the box to hit the pitcher. Once he's ready to pitch, he didn't give a dang who it is up there. So, And, and I mean that. But the anxiety of before it happens – is more. It's different. Um, but once it starts, not a drops difference. By the way, the parents are being interviewed right now. They are at Petco Park. Can the, you imagine? The dad's got a Padres hat and a Phillies jersey on, I think. I saw that. Well, you remember what my granddad did, George, well, if you tell don't. People, tell people what he did. My granddad had a hat cut in half. And on one <laughs> side was Tulane, and on the other side was Vanderbilt. And whoever had the work. ball, whoever had the ball, he reversed the hat. So when we had the ball, he had the Vanderbilt side on. It was hilarious. It, you'd have to know my granddad. He was just a, 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 a wonderful guy, and everything was always positive with him. I di- I died the first time I saw it. I just started laughing when I saw the hat. Right. I mean, it's the god awfulest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I mean, you're walking around with that thing with two bills going around, and, and it's, it's this older fella's doing this, and they're getting it. around slow. And I'm going, my gracious <laughs> alive, what has this become? But it was hilarious. We will go deep dive, if you want to call it that, into Vanderbilt football next. Watson's Vandy analysis, if you want to call it that. This is Main Street Media Television.
For Dustin Timmons and Joey Donnelly, they welcome every opportunity to serve and satisfy their clients. Whether you are looking to build your dream home or renovate your current home, their team will ensure that every client and remodel is unique, luxurious, completed on time, and within budget. Contact them today to set an appointment for a free consultation or to view some of their completed projects by logging on to DonnellyTimmons.com. At WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics, we pride ourselves in providing access, innovation, and a patient experience second to none. Access to care and treatment when you need it. Innovation with medical-led cosmetics and various on-site technologies for full-service treatments with a customer experience that is calming, casual, and effective. Independently owned, providing medical, surgical, pediatric, and cosmetic dermatology and more. Visit WellSkinMD.com to schedule your appointment today. WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics. Access to healthier your skin. It's your last chance to get a spring tune-up for summer. Complete Service Heat and Air can clean your coils, check out your motor, and make sure you have cold air on that first hot day of summer. Complete Service Heat and Air is located in White Bluff, Tennessee. We do service and repair on heating and air the right way. 24-7 service. Call us at 615-797-3997. That's 615-797-3997. Serving Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Hickman, Humphreys, Montgomery, and Williamson counties. Have you heard about the high levels of radon in Middle Tennessee? Radon gas is the second leading cause of lung cancer, second only to smoking, and has no color, no taste, and no smell. The only way to know if you have radon is to test for it. Duret Radon Mitigation offers testing for small and large-scale residential and commercial properties plus mitigation services. Visit DuretRadonMitigation.com to request testing or get a free estimate for mitigation. That's DuretRadonMitigation.com. Since 1865, the First Baptist Church of Gallatin on Winchester Street has served its community by catering to the least, the last, and the lost. Providing a church of welcome used by God to save the lost, transform the saved, and impact its community. As a proud multi-ethnic congregation, Pastor Derek Jackson personally welcomes you to join them in fellowship Sunday mornings at 8 in person or at 1045 in person or online at firstbaptistgallatin.org. First Baptist Gallatin on Winchester Street, serving with open arms as a true church of welcome. Okay, it does not take a rocket scientist to see that when a team gives up in football 162 points in three games, they've got deficiencies. They have physical, athletic deficiencies. Duh. Not exactly 
uh, Captain Obvious there. But Watson, what concerned me Saturday for the first time in a while, I thought they brought mental baggage to the table against Georgia. I thought they went in and basically said, let's get our butt kicking and get the hell out of here. And having done games at Samford Stadium, I believe there ought to be a competitive fire within players, even if they know the odds are virtually zero, that they put a little more emotional energy into it than they did Saturday. Uh, George, I can't disagree. Um, what I think happens sometimes, they, they, they come out of the non-conference and feeling really good about themselves. They got to go to Tuscaloosa, and a lot of people have gone in there and struggled. <laughs> no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. And then they come home, and they have an open day and getting ready for Ole Miss. This is one I think within the coaches and the players, they thought they had a real shot at. And I think they shot a ton at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. They gave them everything they had and, and successful early and it looked good, excitement, uh, building momentum, and then kaboom, got hit in the mouth in the second half and got blown out. And I think sometimes it's – it's I go back again, Alabama – then Ole Miss, then Georgia, then Missouri. And it just goes right on down the list. And I just think they put so much into that that you say it shouldn't happen. I say it shouldn't happen, but I think sometimes it does happen when you put so much and don't get the success from it, and then you don't hardly have the energy the next go-around. If Vanderbilt does not play with great energy and great success, meaning they play well, they're going to get beat. They won't win an SEC game this year, George. So they've got to hit a they've got to hit these games where it's great energy and play really well. Play really well. Meaning coaches had a great game plan, players carried out the game plan. You just can't make mistakes and win an SEC game where they are right now, talent level wise. And so that's what I think happened. They didn't have the the energy that I've seen in other games or that I saw in the old Miss game even. And, uh, but I hope it's going to show up now. They're, they're headed to a stretch right now where they make or break. Honestly, the first part of the schedule wasn't going to be their shot. Look at who they play the rest of the way. They okay, go to Missouri, put that up there. If he's, if he's got it, put yeah. it up there because I think this is what you've got to look at. They, they, they go to Missouri, then they come home to South Carolina. Two shots, in my opinion, two, two chances in these next two. Then they go two to Kentucky. Chances. They, got to, they go to Kentucky, and Kentucky, yes, but they also, Kentucky doesn't score a lot of points. So you could be around in that game. Then they got Florida at home. Florida's been, has been proven to be very average. So the next four, in my opinion, George, with a bye before South Carolina, the next four are going to be critical starting with this Missouri one. And uh, if they're going to gain anything, I think they're going to have to get one of these next two. They're going to have to get one of these next two to gain any kind of momentum and keep any confidence going at all. I tend to go at it just a tad bit differently. I think they've got a fan base right now that is just mentally whipped. 
it's hard to sit there from beginning to end uh, and get, you know, beat 55 to three, 55 to nothing. At some point, the fan base needs something to get excited over. And I'm with you. The next two, give them a chance. There's no reason that they shouldn't move the ball consistently against these next two teams. And I, I think they need to knock something down that gives a fan base some hope. Well, and George, they're they're not very good yet physically on defense, to be very honest. Their chance is they've got to move the ball and score points. That's their chance to win an SEC game in these next five. And and uh they have they weren't they couldn't move it a lick at Alabama. Moved it well in the first half against Ole Miss, not much at all in the second half, and then didn't move it a lick at Georgia. The offense has got to show back up. They need some creativity in these next few weeks. Hopefully the coaches have had great game plans with for Missouri and then an open date before South Carolina. They ought to really have a good shot game plan-wise at South Carolina. And then I do think the Florida game at home will be a shot because history-wise, when I was there, uh, all the way back when I was an assistant there. You play Florida at home. We, Vanderbilt, for some reason, plays Florida well at home. And maybe Florida doesn't get ready. I don't know. But history will show that in some ways. So I think their shots are coming. He's got to get their heads back up and really have them motivated for this game. Then he's got an open date to motivate for South Carolina. So – they really need to show, in my personal opinion, these next two weeks, they need an all-out go-after-them game plan to try to win both of these, at least one of these games. And, and, it'll, and it'll really make it hard on them, George, if they don't play well in these two games for the last three. So these two games, to me, set up kind of the last three games. Watson, to me, their strength is that they have kind of quietly amassed some skill people. They've got a Division One quarterback. Texas A&M would die to have AJ Swan. Uh, just to to mention some some teams that you know have quarterback problems. I think this kid's pretty good. I think they've got a couple of pretty darn talented wide receivers, a decent running back. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Heisman Trophy or anything like that, but they have quietly amassed a respectable, um, you know, core of skill people. I see no defensive line whatsoever. They get no pass rush against decent people unless they blitz. And I'm with you. For them to have success right now, they've got to get into the upper 20s or the low 30s and hope that's enough against a defense that really struggles its tail off. Yeah, and I think the the – philosophy is going to need to change a little bit down the stretch. What he wants to do on offense is be physical and everything come off of the run with the play action passes, the RPOs, the all of that. I don't think they're good enough to do that yet, George. So I think they're going to have to, before he gets to that point, be a little more run pass, run pass, run pass, a little bit more um, open, let him throw quicker balls on first and second down. I think they're going to have to open up a little more and find ways to keep the freshman's confidence up because let's don't forget he's a freshman. And uh, to keep his confidence up, 
keep his percentage. What keeps a quarterback's confidence up is percentages. You're, you're completing two out of every three or three out of every four and four, you know what you start gaining confidence. And, and, uh, I just think they're going to have to be a little more open. It's hard if you can't pass protect and they're struggling a little bit with that, but I think they're going to have to score to win an sec game. I just can't see it. Not under 30. It's going to have to be in the thirties to win an sec game. So they're going to have to be a little bit more creative and wide open. I think on offense. Um, do you think they've figured that out? I, I think I've figured it out, and I know you have. Well, I, I, I question I whether they have. I, that's what I think. I know what he wants to get to, and what he wants to get to, I agree with. He he wants to be physical and then run the be able to run the ball, and then everything comes off that. I don't think he's good enough to completely do that yet. And so you don't have to completely change what you're doing. You just got to change add a little bit more to what you're doing as far as a few more passes, a few more creative type passes, some wide receiver screens, some ball control, crossing route, just stuff to mix in with your running game and your play action passes off your running game, George. Uh, and not just, I think in the Alabama game and the Georgia game, I thought I saw they just wanted to eat that clock. They just eat that clock, make this a shorter game. I'm not sure they can win doing that. I think they're going to have to score some points. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not seeing the game. I'm not seeing Missouri. I'm not seeing South Carolina as a coach breaking those teams down. But just looking at it on the outside, that's what I would think they're going to need to do a little more of. And I would just think Clark being a defensive guy, he's sitting there. He's got to be saying, guys, we got to score more points. We're not going to hold these SEC, these five left SEC teams down in the, in the low numbers. We've got to score points here. I think it's important that they try to get an SEC win to show yeah. a level of progress that's really meaningful. The three wins right now, that's all fine and dandy. Hawaii's awful. Elon is what Elon is. And Northern Illinois is what they are. None of them are SEC caliber kind of stuff. And I think Watson, whether they get a win or not, they've got to get close on somebody. Yeah, and, and and I think they will. I I think some of these games down the stretch, three of them for sure, I, two of them for sure, and that's South Carolina and Florida. Both of those at home, open date before South Carolina. Uh, I think they're going to have a semblance of a shot in those games and. And, uh, yeah, George, I mean, there is it Bills, he'd like to get the, the, the monkey off his back with the, what is it, 23 straight SEC losses? Yeah. And that just keeps adding up, man, till you get one. When you get on one of those deals, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and uh, to break that, as it's hard for somebody to break you when you've won a whole bunch. And, and so I, if he could get one this year, or two this year, get the three to go to a bowl, I think that's going to be really, really hard. But two of these last five uh, would be your mindset off the record, not telling people that, but in a closed room. And if, he, if I said that to him right now, he'd say, well, well we're going to, as I would say, we're yeah, not we're going to play about winning all five of them. I understand that. But just – 
me and the two coordinators sitting in a room saying, boys, here's our two shots right here. Here's our three shots that we truly have. Let's gear toward those. So here comes my little one-minute soapbox here. Let it go, bud. Clark here, Lee, here we go. Clark Lee inherited this mess. Okay, this is nothing new that you're going to hear out of me. Derek Mason left him a pile of dog crap, and everybody knows it. However, if anybody's out there going, well, what happens if he goes over in the SEC again? They just gave a, a contract extension to Jerry Stackhouse. For what reason, I have no idea. Uh, let me make clear. Jerry Stackhouse hasn't earned a contract extension. Now, maybe Scottie Pippen has, but Jerry Stackhouse has not. And so if anybody's going to crawl on Clark Lee about what's going on the last three weeks, just consider this is an athletic department that's extended Jerry Stackhouse for what reason I have no clue. So, yeah. And, and, I, and, and what you're saying is true. As I've, I've said to you, that's why I don't get into wins and losses this year. I think it's more being competitive, playing good. I know that doesn't give the fans what they want. But if he can just do that down the stretch in these next four games before he gets to Tennessee, and that one's going to be really hard because we'll talk about that later on, but that one's going to be really hard. And and uh, But these next four, and I put Kentucky in there just because they don't score a ton of points. Right. That's just not – they beat you, but they don't just do what ten, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia does to you. And uh, so – I just want to see them be competitive now and hang in there to where they got a shot at some of these. I'm not into the one loss. It's going to come to that. It's it it finally gets to that point, and now he'll start feeling it next year. And I just like for their program and their players' sake to get rid of this. I took over Rice with I think it was like thirty something yeah, losses. It's now. hard to see that every week. Oh man, it's hard to and and it is. It is. When we broke it, they took both goalposts down. I mean, it was like it was a Super Bowl, George. We beat TCU at home, and we broke that string, and it it just wears on you, man. And I don't want to see it get up. If it's 23 now and he's got five left, that means it could get to 28 before at the end of this season if he don't get one here. And i just like to see him get that off their back. We'll go to the break. Stat of the day, then we'll rank the SEC 1 through 14, and then we'll show you a vol video of what happened Saturday in Knoxville. If you're a Tennessee fan, it'll give you goosebumps. This is Main Street Media Television.
Serving Williamson and surrounding counties, Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee offers comprehensive orthopedic care. With 16 subspecialized physicians, our practice provides high-tech care with a hometown touch. We offer physician clinics, physical and occupational therapy, advanced imaging, and surgical services, including interventional procedures. Call us at 615-791-2630. We're Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. High-tech care with a hometown touch. This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor-trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad I couldn't work for almost a year, I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor-trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor-trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. At Sumner Funeral and Cremation, our mission is to serve families as our own, celebrate the life of their loved one, and help begin the healing process. My whole family, including my wife and my mom and siblings, were very happy with the treatment that we received. I would highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation. We offer funeral, burial, cremations, and pre-planning services. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com. Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel, urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Hey everyone, I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace. And we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes, and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles, baseball, football, basketball, golf, and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster. Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It is now time for Stat of the Day, powered by the John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee, as well as Eric Berner with Rock Castle Wealth Advisors. You can find John English over in Shelbyville, Tennessee, open Tuesdays through Fridays from noon to 5 o'clock and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5. Visit them online at johnenglishgradedcards.com. Also, Go give Eric Berner a call with Rock Castle Wealth Advisors at 615-490-7052 or visit them online at rockcastlewealth.com. Okay, let's roll into today's stat of the day. By the way, we've had a week of excellence. It has been a good far. week. It's been a really good week. I pulled one out of my rear end Monday. <laughs> you got most of them this week. 
Oh, what is this one? Here's an interesting one. Can you guess this quarterback based on his passer rating per quarter through this season? Per <laughs> quarter? You guys are getting... Talk about pulling one out of you know what. Well, this is where that's what Michael did here. Yeah, I mean we we need to we need to maybe annex Arkansas into this, force them to answer <laughs> this stuff. Ninety seven point eight in the first quarter, one fourteen point eight in the second quarter, one hundred point six in the third, and okay, so bad fourth quarter. Well, duh. Well, okay. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I just realized that. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> okay, so this is a stupid is question. Is this a college quarterback or a pro quarterback? It is an NFL quarterback. Do they have passer rating in college? Yes. They do. I don't think they use them, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's somebody who clearly has not done well in the fourth quarter. Boy, thanks for that tip. Um, <laughs> what? Dang. I know. We've okay. actually talked about this player and we've mentioned the fact that he's been really bad in the fourth quarter of ball games. Okay, Watson, let's let's go with this right off the bat. Could it be Carson Wentz? Gosh, I don't think he's been that good in the other quarters. them early quarters, George. That's nice. Um is it is it Stafford? Well, let's think. Of, uh, hold on a second. Now that that's unfair. Well, we gotta get First an all, we gotta get an answer here. It's five oh two. Well, you know what? You just let me handle that. Let's hear that <laughs> stupid buzzer again. Oh, that's get a, you a buzzer, oh, man. Yeah, that's a weak <laughs> buzzer. That is if, a wuss bag. If you're gonna do it, get get a powerful buzzer. Anyway. Yeah, that thing is weak. This that, show isn't weak. It's better than that. This Not by much. This effort in this question is weak. Yeah. Well, is it? It ain't Baker Mayfield. I don't think he would have played that good in the early quarters either. Uh, it, it's it's not Ryan Tannehill, I don't think, because he wouldn't have played that good in the third quarter. Could it be? I was going to say, could it be Matt Ryan? But it seems like well, he played good last week in the fourth. Yeah, quarter. and and played good against Denver in a horrendous game. You know what? What the, let's go with Carson Wentz and get rid of this question. Okay, so you're going to go with Carson yeah, Wentz? Why not? That is the wrong oh, answer. It is Lamar Jackson. We've talked about him as a bad fourth quarter quarterback this year. Watson, did you uh, did that one cross your mind at all? No, but if it had, I'd immediately said that's it because he has played. They've they've lost three games, and and basically he's one that you saw the one the other night. I mean, yep, I, we should have got that. If he'd have given us enough time and quit, put, quit putting buzzards on us every time we mention right. a word. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we mention a name. Eh. I totally blame uh, I totally blame Billy Michael. for this buzzer. No, but you gotta, I, I blame what Michael kind of for a... the question. The question is absurd. So the buzzer. that But start... the buzzer. I mean, this show has a standard to it. Ring that thing again. And you want to keep hearing it? Ring it again. That's, oh, good Lord. That is bad. I need to replace That's that. That's just a wuss bag buzzer. All right, let's get to the 5 o'clock hour. Well, fine. 
Go. It is time for the five o'clock hour here on the George Plaster Show, powered by Middle Tennessee Bone and Joint. They are the premier orthopedic service in Nashville. They combine state-of-the-art orthopedic service with a family atmosphere. Whether it's a sports injury, a sprained ankle, or a major joint replacement, MTBJ has the staff, training, and equipment needed to take care of any patient in any circumstance. Visit them on the web at mtbj.net for more information. Okay, I see Mark McGee already in with us. Bring him up for a second, and let me make sure of exactly what is what here. Gee, I thought we were going with you at 520, but if I just you... want to hear the show. I just want to hear the show. Oh, okay. Then let's put him back on hold. You want to hear that buzzer again? I just want to see what's going on, see what y'all are talking about, learn something from you. So oh, good luck that. on that one. You got a buzzer you can send us? <laughs> yeah, I like the buzzers there. That's pretty good. That's pretty neat. Now I just thought I'd watch some of the show. So I'm waiting for you at 520. I'm so saying so you're at 520. It's a waiting for you, so. Nice visiting. See you in a minute, Guy. Definitely, definitely. All right. Okay. (laughs) Guy is going to learn about our rankings. Actually, they're Watson's rankings of the Southeastern Conference. One through. Yeah, if you don't like it, I'll give you Watson's address, and I'll give you his phone number here in a little while, and you just call him. Lovely person. And tell him exactly what you think. So how do we put this on paper? Okay, George, so we're ready for the the old power rankings? Yes. Here we go. Okay. Let's talk through them. Now, I don't think anybody's surprised that Georgia is number one. Watson, your gap between Tennessee and Georgia is either how wide or how small? Uh, I think it's real small. I think it's real small. Um I can't wait to watch that game in Athens because I think Tennessee is going to have a a better shot than I know. I'll, I'll bet you, George, the point spread will be what it was against Alabama. I'll bet it'll be around seven. Eleven and a half for Georgia. Yep. Really? Oh, right now it is. That's what it is. How, how I was shocked when I saw that. Oh, how? that'll go down. That'll go down. That'll go down. But I think those two are close. And Alabama's right there with them because, I mean, that was a toss-up game Saturday. So I put all three of those on an upper level to everybody else. I'm still not sold on Ole Miss yet. I don't think they've played anybody really, really good yet except Kentucky, and Kentucky kind of blew the game. I'm not sure Ole Miss throws it good enough, George, and I'm not sure Ole Miss is good enough on defense to be way up there with the other guys. The beauty is they're going to get the chance. The measure you this weekend. the game, not only that, but then Alabama. Yeah, they got Alabama at home and LSU on the road coming up here. So. I was surprised LSU was better at Florida than I thought, and I guess I don't, I don't know the answer. Is that more Florida's bad play or LSU looking pretty good? I, I think a little of both. I think, I think Florida's in trouble. I'm worried about those guys. I'm not sure there's a ton of victories left on their schedule. They're going to have to get going again. And and don't forget Kentucky in front of LSU. I, that was a huge win, man, Saturday, beating Mississippi State. And when they were down, they had lost to South Carolina. They blew the game at Ole Miss. Quarterback didn't play. Lost to a team they should have beaten South Carolina. 
uh, rock bottom. Everybody's getting on them after they've been patted on the back. And then, man, they came out and just bombed Mississippi State. So they moved back up in my eyes. Okay, in about three or four minutes, we're going to show the video of Tennessee's win over Alabama that is going to get some big orange fans goosebumps going. I don't blame you. You can't get enough of what happened Saturday. And so we're going to give you about four minutes that will really whet your appetite about four minutes from now. Okay. The back half. Why has Arkansas died on the vine? Well, they lost the one game when the quarterback didn't play and he's the whole team. Uh, but they're not playing good enough defense, George. They're giving up way too many points. We saw a little crack in that Missouri State game way back three, four weeks ago, and they have struggled on defense ever since that point, and they're going to have to start playing better defense if they're going to beat anybody down the stretch. A&M is no question a quarterback away from getting into the top half where they think they belong. Watson, they don't scare anybody. Mm-mm. They don't. And you, it's hard to scare people, George, when you don't have quarterback play. I thought uh, Johnson was getting there to be their guy and they win them some games and they lose him. Uh, I've got them up in the bowl piece, but they got to win three more games to go. And I think it's going to be nip and tuck if they can get three more. Tell me your concerns about Florida which defensively sprung a huge leak against LSU. They're way too inconsistent on defense, George. Way too inconsistent. And they're up and down throwing the ball. That's their two big question marks. They don't throw the ball consistent enough to me, and they're not playing defense consistent enough. Some games they'll come out and be pretty decent, and then the next week they seem to be awful. LSU scoring that many points on that defense should not happen. It should not happen with those athletes. So I don't know what went down, but Florida is another one. Uh, any of these from AM, I think Arkansas will win two more. I think from AM, Florida, South Carolina are the last three that I think will get bowl eligible. And uh, they're going to have to win SEC games to do it. I think a- one of them, it may be AM, somebody has a non conference game left in that pile, but most of these got conference games the rest of the way. So that means you got to win two conference games to get to six, three for A&M. South Carolina. Yes. They are four and two. Are they impressing anybody? I don't think so. They're not me yet playing a little better on defense. I'd think their offense is very average, very average. And, uh, but they're going to get some shots to prove it. They got Tennessee coming to Columbia. We don't talk about that one yet either. Uh, in a few weeks and, uh, they come to Vanderbilt in a couple of weeks. Um, I I'm still got South Carolina, barely not in that down with the bottom three, the bottom three to me are just not as good as everybody else. South Carolina's hovering right on that bottom three with Florida and A&M. Would you you agree that Spencer Rattler has had very little impact? very, Very little so far. Very little, very disappointed. I, Good or bad, he just doesn't seem to have a big impact on these games, but he's still going to have opportunity. And uh, with him being a new guy, it's it'll be interesting to watch and see if South Carolina gets any better. They're sitting pretty with at four and two. The win at Kentucky really helped them. 
and they got an open date this past week, I think. So they're sitting at a good spot right now. The last piece of this, of this thing to me is Auburn. It cannot be fun to be an Auburn football player right now. No. Can you imagine Auburn down here? Uh, and, and I just, and I don't see them getting out of this. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they'll win another game. They don't, they don't play Vanderbilt. They've already played Missouri. Uh, I don't think they play South Carolina, do they? Uh, they're they're on the West. I don't know who their two East teams are. Watson, it looks to me, not that I have any info here, but that they've made the decision to wait this out until the end of the season. Looks that way. I, I, it, it could be one real bad one it, that might happen. Um, but you go this long, it makes you wonder if they're not just going to ride it out. Yeah. Okay. That's where Watson Brown thinks the SEC is at the moment. We're, we know where Tennessee is. They are riding high, and they should be. And in a fortuitous piece of scheduling, they probably don't have to come out of the cloud Saturday when they play UT Martin. No. They can continue to have sugar plums dancing in their head and and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? Why not? First time in 15 years they've beaten Alabama. Let's relive in this video what went on Saturday at Neyland Stadium.
Watson, somebody asked me, is this the best college game I've ever seen? And my answer was that until Saturday, the best college football game I think in my lifetime has been your brother's national title win Mm. with Vince Young against USC in the Rose Bowl. As I start to think about great games, the Auburn 110-yard field goal miss return against Alabama comes in there as well. Anything that I'm not thinking about that you would throw in there? Uh, the one where Tua threw the threw the ball up the boundary in the national championship game. Against Georgia. Against Georgia would have to be put in there to me. Um, there's been a, the, the, the bigger the at stakes that are in the game makes it the better the, the game. And so it'd be hard for me to put it past the Texas Southern Cal game. Because it's for the marbles. It's the national championship and goes to the last play of the game. Um, and Vince Young was just like these two quarterbacks that night. He was unbelievable. And he had to play that way for him to win. But this one's – I don't know if you can really say what's what's the one. Uh, but this, was, this one will be there. It'll be there in, of for all sure. time. It will show up. People will talk about this one 30 years from now. And you just said the quarterback matchup. I mean, that could be up there for another argument of the best quarterback matchup. One, two. Heisman I mean, Trophy. Whew. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, but neither both of those guys played Heisman Trophy football that night. Okay, after the break, Mark McGee will join us. We'll talk about a night at Bridgestone Arena that has a lot of Predator fans hacked off. And you know what? They're right to feel that way. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East. And for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. 
When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Berner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. Okay, that's Predator coach John Hines after last night's embarrassment. Um, and Mark McGee joins us to talk a little bit about it. Gee, this has been going on now back to last season, now to this season. Why are they paying no attention to him? Apparently, I mean, everybody knows what the problem is. Nobody seems to know how to fix it. I mean, John Hines is a gritty tough approach to playing hockey and and this and the team has responded to that pretty well but the the penalties are killing them uh you know a fighting penalty here and there or roughing penalty or whatever 
It's okay, but we used to get the stupid penalties, especially this meet. I think they had like six in the offensive zone last night. Those are going to kill you. And, and, it's, and it started back in San Jose. It started back in, in Prague. Uh, they didn't exactly, you know, they were they were getting racking up some penalty minutes in those games uh, against San Jose. So this was, you know, it got a little worse last night. But but the, it's it's like I said, it's been a problem since last year. They just can't seem to to find a way to stop it. Okay, so that becomes a coaching issue where. I don't know whether last night it finally hit John Hines that this is completely out of control. It should have hit him a long time ago. Why is he not forcing the issue to say, if you continue to play stupid hockey, I will take away your playing time? And that's the only bargaining chip you have. You know, Barry Trice just talked about that a lot. You want to get a player's attention, you see him on the bench. You know, and I think that's what he's going to have to do from that standpoint with a couple of players. You got like Terrence, you know, he's going to rack up a lot of penalty minutes, but a lot of his is fighting penalty minutes. And every once in a while, a fight's not too bad. But it's the other penalties that are causing them problems. It's not necessarily the penalty kit that they're putting being put on the penalty kill because it only hurt them one time last night, but a close game one time was enough. But what happens is they have no consistency. Every time they get something going offensively, there's a penalty, and they have to go on the penalty kill. And you know it, it turns up their consistency completely. Mark, the fan in me has felt bad for Hines since he got here because he's been behind sort of the predator fan eight ball. They didn't like him particularly. He's not an outgoing, warm, and fuzzy. But I got to admit, he's starting to lose me because this is the issue that, as a head coach, he has to get under control. He had it a year ago, didn't solve it. It's gotten only worse. Last night was embarrassing. Yeah. So have they tuned him out? You hope not, because you think you would think not, because this team, I guess what's really frustrating, this team came in with you know, some promise. Were they going to win the Stanley Cup? Not necessarily, but a lot of people felt like they could go to at least go to a second-round situation and move beyond what they've done in the past. But you know, losing three games in a row is not the way to start to get your early season going right now. So I don't. I think that's a frustration level, too. You've got a team that offensively can score goals, but you gotta have the, but you've gotta have some consistency and you can't get that with the penalties coming up. Okay, I'm gonna ask one more here and then kind of turn it to Watson. So it's clear that Heinz's emphasis on stopping this has not worked. Um, and we've got way too much evidence that it hasn't worked, and it reached a new it reached a new level of embarrassing last night. Does David Poyle basically have to step in and say to Hines, either you fix this or I will get rid of you? I think it could come to that, especially if this keeps on going like it is. But I'm like, you know, Hines has never really, you know, I think he's a good coach in a lot of ways, but no, he's never has really captured the fans or I think captured the, he's captured the media a little bit, but not necessarily the fans as far as what he does. And maybe the players are having some problems with that as well, but I've not heard of them tuning him out yet or anything like that. But I think that, you know, they've got to, you know, they've got, to, I don't know how you, I don't know how you, you can't practice this or whatever, but I think, you know, you got to have, you got to play smart. You got to play smart hockey. 
And you know, being smart is a lot better sometimes than being talented. And they've got to be they've got to be a smarter team when it comes to this. And they could not be sitting in the penalty box. I mean, this is a team that led the league in penalties last year. So Hines knew. I mean, like I said, this goes back to last year, and Hines knows how bad it was. And I, you know, he didn't seem to do much in the off season to address it. And I think that's a real issue. Mark, you're you're wiser about this stuff than I am. So they have nine penalties last night. I'm not saying all nine were justified, but I see plays where Matt Duchesne just sticks a stick out trying to trip an opponent. And I'm like, that's just lazy. That's uncalled for. It's ridiculous. How many of the nine were legit in your mind? Oh, I don't know. Maybe half. I just I have to think back. Maybe half it was such a late night last night. I think probably maybe half of them were. But uh, it's just you, know, you can't the hooking penalties, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, too many men on the ice. Things. Those are things you've got to avoid. And I saw a lot of that last year where they would where they would try trips. They would trip somebody or hook somebody or whatever. Like it's a lazy play, and that that's what cost you. Watson, do you know Mark McGee? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little. We'll go back a little bit. I figured. Mark, I, I just, it, it really, it, I take this personal because I think if there's one thing a head coach controls, it's the discipline of your team. That's put on the head coach. It's not on the, not on assistants, not on the players. It comes from the head coach and then the players have to respond. And if they don't, you do something about it. And I, I, I don't understand this. Well, we're going to have more because we play physical. <laughs> They're rules. You you can play physical within the rules. I, I don't understand that mindset. Yeah, and then, that's what, that's wall, what but you can legally knock a guy into a wall, <laughs> but you can't trip him. Well, that's why that's why push him in the back. You can't. Exactly. I, I, there's two types of discipline, Mark. There's mental discipline and physical discipline. If you don't have mental discipline, that physical discipline ain't going to mean nothing. And I don't think these kids have mental discipline. I've been watching it for a year and a half, and I don't get it. This is on the head coach. Yeah. I think it's really I'm not saying that he ought to be gone or anything. I'm not. But he needs no. to clean it up. It's on him, period. It's yeah. not on anybody else. Don't blame the players and don't defend it by saying, well, we're going to have more now because we're a physical team. I don't give a dang how you go about physicality. You have to play physically between the roots. I probably can – some of the worst times of my coaching time was when a player would come in, I'd be getting on him about this kind of thing, and he'd say, Coach, I was just being physical. I just – bull, that's a bunch of crap. I mean, you have to play within the rules of the game or you can't play. True. And, I, it's starting to get me because I hit on this with you all last year. Yes, you I did. Mean, you did. I and mean, every single game I'd come to you or every single week and I'd hit on it in some way. And it's just, it's getting old to me. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're near good enough. Watching them play Dallas, I don't think they're good enough to play like this. They have to play good hockey to win games. They, they're not good enough to, to, how many minutes was it last night, guys? Nine penalties? Is that 18 minutes? Probably 18 minutes, yes. Mm-hmm. 18 minutes out of a game? You're you can't period. play offense? 18 minutes out of a game you can't play offense. 
Come on now. Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, you break down 20 minutes of periods. So that's almost a full period. Full period. Of offense. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a mental thing more than anything else. I think they just got to, like I said, play smarter hockey than what they're playing. This could be a good team. They've got all, they've got a, you know, pull, they've pulled some nice pieces in the offseason. And this team can be better. Are they going to be a Stanley Cup finalist? No, not in this, no, I don't think so. But they but they can go farther in the playoffs than they've gone in the past and should be able to excite people. And when you give up when you give a two up a two goal lead in, the, in like seven minutes left in the third period of a home game, that's not the way to get the fans excited or get you, or, or to get things going. Well, it's it's to me I, I compare it mark to when they put in targeting rules when you put the targeting rules in we coaches from the head coach down better teach it the right way or you're going to be in deep trouble and you better make them very aware that if this won't fly you'll be out of a game and i think the same intensity needs to be done with these penalties because if what you're saying, and George, this is about all I got, because this, this one's bothering me. If, if what you're saying, Mark, if you don't think this team's good enough to win the Stanley Cup, you think they're good, but they're not good enough, then you better play really good to win a Stanley Cup. Oh, sure, you yeah. You better start now and getting these players to play really good, sound hockey and make people beat them instead of giving games away like that one was last night. Oh, definitely so, especially as a Western Conference team, too. I mean, uh, you know, teams have won three in a row. Predators now lost three in a row. It's yeah. not it's not the it's not the trajectory you want for your team from that standpoint. Now, I think this team's a lot better. Now, could they go? Could they challenge? I don't think so, but maybe they could. I mean, it's a tough division they're in, uh, but I think they can go farther than the first round this time around if everything falls into place and there are injuries. Now, Ciro saved them in the overtime. Oh, God. No kidding. I mean, that, that, there would never been a shootout had it not been for Saros in the overtime. I mean, he played he, – he he won the overtime. Well, it's not been he's, – he's fine. That ain't the problem. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just, they, can't get, they just can't get a flow going. They can't get a consistency going from that standpoint. And, I, you know, like I said, I think it's just they've got to get smarter. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think you – you practice this, and uh, maybe you can practice it a little bit. But I mean, how do you practice not getting a penalty? I mean, you got you know, so because you're not about tripping your teammates or slashing your teammates in practice, probably. You know, from that standpoint. So how do you, how do you practice that? Uh, and you know, so I, well, I think you may do it, but I always thought when you get to this point, you got to have officials in practice. You got to have officials out there in practice when you're doing your pass rush drills or when you're doing your pass skill drills. And, it's a little right. bit like I sit and watched Alabama, Mark, Saturday. They couldn't keep their hands off Tennessee's receivers. Exactly. And well, the penalty that's, still that's, discipline. that's not anything but pure discipline. Yeah. Run with a guy. Keep your hands off of the guy. Exactly. And so, I don't know. Uh, believe me, I've had my problems with this before, too, with discipline. And uh, But this is on, to me, Oh, my point, George, is this is on the head coach. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is clearly on the head coach. You can't blame anybody else for this but the head coach. And maybe the officiating is a good idea. The officiating thing is a good idea. Yeah, officiating thing is a good idea. I think maybe they should have those in practice. Have have officials saying, "Okay, this is what you got to watch out for. This is what you're doing. This is why you're in trouble." I think that sounds like a great idea. Gee, let me ask you this one last thing. Obviously. 
for me, this was a tipping point. I walked out of last night saying, I'm not sure how supportive I am of John Hine. I'm tired of watching this crap. I'm tired of, you know, I, I don't give a damn about him telling the media we played dumb. Go into your team and force the issue. Exactly. So I guess my point is, was last night the tipping point where David Poyle walks in and says, I've had enough of it. Either you fix it and fix it quick, or I'm getting you the hell out of here. Yeah. Well, I miss David last night. I always like to see David's expression. I, I, where I sit, I can see him coming out of his box, and I usually can kind of see what kind of expression he's got about a game, even win or loss. I can kind of tell what he's thinking about it a little bit. And But uh, he uh, obviously is uh, – uh, I think he, he has a patient. He's a patient man, but I think he's he knows that things have got to be changed here, and uh, I don't think he's going to change coaches. But I think he's I think he's going to he had probably a heart to heart talk with John Hansley's Miger today about what has to be changed. Mark, thank you as always for the visit on short notice. Appreciate no, no problem. By the way, I'm, I'm running for governor, if you're wondering. I was worried about that. I was worried. I like that. Not junior. Mark Alexander on this, huh? Gee, it's Bobby Knight Jr. He's, he's I'm wearing my sweater. Bobby Knight, so he's coming. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Billy, you got to say something, Tom. Billy, you got to take a look and see if we can find that Bobby Knight jacket. I'll see what I can uh, do. Gee, thank you as always. You're welcome. See you, boy. As we go to the break, I see Brian Stewart sitting in the on deck circle. Uh, well, he's replaced the Braves hat. Who's back there? Titans. Okay. Oh, uh, Brian, we can't we we can't hear you. You might have yourself muted. Oh, there we go. All right. Sorry uh, about hey. that. Yes, it's the Titans hat, George. Unfortunately, the Braves are uh, on the shelf till next year, so it is what it is. Brian, remember <laughs> this. Here's my little pep talk to you. Mm -hmm. This has only just begun. This this nucleus is going to win another world title at some point. Remember Absolutely. that. I, I I will go with you and say book it because it is going to happen. They have they have a tremendous core of young players, and they're going to be fantastic here in the next few years. Um, so, yeah, I, I see uh, – I, you know, uh, this, is, this scenario is what I was hoping would happen back in the early 90s uh, where they won the one championship and – just go on a run and get a dynasty going, and it just never came to be. But I, I see it. I, I see that it could happen more likely with this team. So uh, for the Bra for the Braves hat, it's not goodbye. It's just a see you later. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got to support our Titans. Um, I mean, George. Uh, you know, I haven't talked to you since this past weekend or since Friday. It's been a bad weekend for me for sports, <laughs> man. Um, you know, we. Uh, I went to the first off. I went to the the Hendersonville game and Hendersonville just got the brakes beat, beat off them. Um, oh, what was that team? But that um, was the least of your problems. Yeah. I mean, Baylor beat them down It beat Hendersonville down. The Braves lost. And then my beloved tide goes up there to Tennessee and Tennessee just puts a whomping on them. Um, you know, and, and they won that game straight up. I mean, there, there's, there were some calls that were definitely questionable, but, when you allow a receiver to have five touchdowns and over 200 receiving yards, I mean, that's, that's just all there is to it. Um, so, 
the Titans were off last weekend, so I, I am definitely ready for a reset and uh, get to get you know get some better games on this weekend. Is there a real estate reset? Uh, well, you know, the, I wouldn't call it a reset, but I definitely tell it or, or we call it a shift. Um, you know, if you want to use the old sports term there, you know, the, the shift is on in the infield. Uh, they have basically, you know, buyers, buyers have gone from just, you know, trying their best to get any kind of offer in on a house, offering way over asking, uh, buying a home as is no warranties, no nothing. Um, just get me in the house. I'll pay whatever it takes. And now, that shift has allowed them to get the uh, closing costs to get buyers down, buyers uh, buy down points on uh, interest rates, which is, I mean, two years ago, Georgia was unheard of, but now sellers are actually paying. I have one of my listings on Delray trail where the seller is actually paying $13,000 toward the buyer to pay for their closing costs or for them to use it for buy down points. So, when I tell you the shift is on, I mean, it is, everybody is over left of second base right now. Um, and it is, and what it is, is basically everybody's just trying to think of ways to get these buyers in these homes, to get sellers to the closing table and, and keep the market going. And that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, One Stop Realty has been around since 74. So when I tell you that these agents and myself have seen it all, I, I'm telling you that there's not much that they haven't seen in this office. So I encourage everybody to call my agents uh, at some point, 615-822-0750 and talk to these uh, men and women who are here because they have the knowledge to help you. Um, if you want to learn how to play in this shift and you want to get ready for the future and get yourself in a great home to where you can watch Tennessee probably lose to Alabama next year. Hey, wow. that's what we're here for. <laughs> Oh, you are a piece of work. Let's do this again tomorrow. George, I appreciate it. Watson, Billy, y'all have a great night, man. See you, Brian. See you, Brian. Plaster bet of the day. When we come back, this is Main Street Media Television. Serving Williamson and surrounding counties, Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee offers comprehensive orthopedic care. With 16 sub-specialized physicians, our practice provides high-tech care with a hometown touch. We offer physician clinics, physical and occupational therapy, advanced imaging, and surgical services, including interventional procedures. Call us at 615-791-2630. We're Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. High-tech care with a hometown touch. This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor-trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad, I couldn't work for almost a year? I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor-trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor-trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. 
The high school football season is here, and nobody handles Friday nights better than Main Street Media. Here's Zach Womble with details. That's the name of the game here at Main Street Media and Main Street Preps. Is, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now, and I think you hit on it. We've got an army of reporters across all of Middle Tennessee. I think there's about 130 schools uh, in the Middle Tennessee area, and we cover we try to cover all of them. We cover about 11, 12 counties at this point. And uh, yeah, those those Friday night shows, it's you know, we're gonna we're gonna show we're gonna show that off. We're gonna showcase the talent that we have on the field with with reporters across several mid-state games on the weekly basis. So, you know, whether you're in Williamson County, whether you're in Giles County or Murray County or Montgomery or Robertson or anywhere in between, we're gonna have you covered from six to eleven. Friday Night Live is presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, where fans don't let fans drive drunk. At Sumner Funeral and Cremation, our mission is to serve families as our own, celebrate the life of their loved one, and help begin the healing process. My whole family, including my wife and my mom and siblings, were very happy with the treatment that we received. I would highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation. We offer funeral, burial, cremations, and pre-planning services. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional, affordable, dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel, urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Hey everyone, I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace. And we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles, baseball, football, basketball, golf, and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster. Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It is now time for Plaster's Bet of the Day, powered by Bart Durham Injury Law. Since 1975, Bart Durham Injury Law has aggressively protected the rights of a broad range of victims of car accidents and personal injury in both Tennessee and Kentucky. If you, too, have seen your life interrupted by an injury on a highway, in a hospital, or at your workplace, let their attorneys do the work fighting for the full financial compensation that you need. Learn more about Bart Durham Injury Law by logging on to bartdurham.com. Okay, George, let's take a look at some of your results uh, from last night as we uh, go to your record now, 50 and 56. You won the Phillies bet last night. That was a big win. 
Big time win. Slight underdog, two great pitchers, uh, Zach Wheeler, you Darvish, and four hits combined in the game. Wow. Mm. That was ugly. We'll talk in a minute. This afternoon, totally different story. Who you going with tonight? Well, Verlander straight up is about a two to one favorite, which is too much. So I'm going to go and take the Astros minus a run and a half at home where they actually get odds. They become minus one and a half, an underdog, so to speak, against the Yankees. Justin Verlander has not pitched as well in the last few weeks. I really think he'll be lights out tonight, and I don't think Jamison Tyon will be. Tyon's pitched a lot. Former Pittsburgh Pirate that they got uh, about a year, a little more than a year ago. Uh, I don't think Tyon is anywhere near Verlander's level. Uh, I may be proven wrong. He may stuff it down my throat. But I'm going Justin Verlander minus the run and a half. By the way, Phillies, if you're watching this live, the Phillies were up 4 nothing. About an hour ago, San Diego has scored seven unanswered. They lead seven to four. They have knocked out Aaron Nola, who hung one curveball too many. Uh, the Padres have ripped him around, and that place is going nuts. Mm. I've never seen Petco Park like it looked on television. It's a good scene. Yeah, it's also good weather. Beautiful weather. Watson, what do you think tonight? It's at Houston, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd take the Strohs, yes. Doesn't it scare okay. you how much you agree with me? Yeah, it ought to scare you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the dead last guy most of the time, so it ought to scare you more than scare me. Speaking of which, Watson, tomorrow, underdog picks. Underdog picks, yeah. And finally, one of us Gets has gotten the monkey snide. off the back. Got the got the got off the snide. Thank God. And have a big celebration tomorrow. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'm happy that the shutout is over. Watson, see you tomorrow. You behave. I will. See you guys tomorrow. Billy, you try to behave as well. I'll do my best. Thanks for watching. This is Main Street Media Television. <laughs>